Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. And for the first time in a long time, that's not an, a lie, Mr. Announcer Man. Look at this fresh face, relaxed, ready to go, SP3, here on a Wednesday morning. A big day for SP3 ahead of St. Patrick's Day Slam tonight. You got to be anxious. You got to be about as anxious as I was ahead of WrestleMania 35. Um, n- No, because... I know what's going to go down. I know it's going to go down at St. Patrick's Day Slam. They saved it. They didn't do it at Revolution. It is Thunder Rosa's day. Happy Thunder Rosa day to all of our viewers and listeners. We appreciate you coming for pre-Thunder Rosa is AEW Women's World Champion. And I didn't mean anxious as in like, you know, are you nervous that it's not going to happen? I just mean you're you're anxiously anticipating the moment that it finally does happen that's what i'm talking about but uh, enjoy the day enjoy the day we'll talk about saint patrick's day slam we got a couple title matches tonight by the way my conversation with wardlow is still live up right now on the believe in pro wrestling podcast and youtube channels make sure uh to check that out or if uh, you want to read about it you can check out my article up on cage side seats for SB nation. As we speak, I uh, got a lot. We're going to get into today. Yes. We're going to preview uh, St. Patrick's day slam. Also going to talk a little bit of stone cold, Steve Austin. What? Because it is Austin three sixteen day. His new American loggers going everywhere. Oh, I wish we had some uh, for this, for this show to be completely honest with you. Cause of course, Wednesday morning, you know what that means? We're talking a lot about NXT, uh, Dolph Ziggler retaining his championship over L.A. Knight. Yeah, last night, a lot of Raw crossover. We got Tony D challenging Tommaso Ciampa. We got people trying to have sex in the middle of the wrestling ring. I mean, there is so much that went down last night. Cora Jade went full home alone, and I know SP3 has got all of the uh, the analogies lined up <laughs> and ready to go. Hey, you picked to come back on a Wednesday show. Don't blame this on me. You're the one who said, I'll be back Tuesday night for the recording. You could have very easily taken tonight off. I I literally told Rick, I don't understand why we do this show on Wednesday morning. I know you people enjoy me and Rick going back and forth, but we should only be doing, you know, recordings after Raw and Dynamite because things actually happen and they don't remake 1992 movies on those shows. We got a lot to get into, as I said today. But first things first, shout out to Bet Online because without them, this totally unnecessary show would not be possible. It is that time of the year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. We had first four matchups last night. If you're looking to wager this year, it's not too late. Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your updated odds and info, along with the great contests, including the bracket contest where you can. 
They call them that big top prize that Bet Online is giving out. Head on over to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That is B L E A V. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we will start with the end of NXT 2.0 last night. Dolph Ziggler retaining his NXT championship pretty much clean as a sheet. There was a little bit of hijinks there with Robert Roode, but he defeats LA Knight. And then a very pissed off Braun Breaker comes down to the ring, challenges Dolph Ziggler for a rematch. We all knew it was coming. We are going to get Ziggler and Breaker at NXT Stand and Deliver. But SP3, if the reports are true that Braun Breaker is being fast-tracked for the main roster, how does he now walk out of Stand and Deliver without the NXT Championship? That's that's what's that's the biggest question to me. And how fast is fast-tracked? Um, I believe that he's going to be doing live events and probably be a consistent figure on either Raw or SmackDown after WrestleMania but he's going to be doing all of that as NXT champion. I don't live in a world of possibility where Dolph Ziggler should be beating Braun Breaker at Stand and Deliver, so I think that Braun Breaker is going to win the title back. I thought the whole purpose of tonight was to give Dolph Ziggler at least one successful title defense before he drops the title in two weeks at Stand and Deliver. I think Braun Breaker should win the title, and then he should probably get started on the main roster, so I think he's going to be doing kind of the, the dual shift. He's going to be on NXT as well as on Raw and SmackDown. And and that's honestly not a bad way to go about it. And this is where all of the raw NXT crossovers really does help. I'm honestly surprised that this past Monday on raw, we didn't get a Dolph Ziggler Braun Breaker segment on the show. Dolph Ziggler should have shown up on raw with the NXT championship and cut a promo and set the first part of this rematch series up with Braun Breaker on Raw. I'm kind of surprised that we didn't get that because Braun Breaker, if he's coming up after Mania as a frequent customer to the show for the audience, I should say, you got to keep that cup of coffee going because he had a fantastic debut on Monday Night Raw. He really didn't get much of a reaction because the mainstream audience, the casual audience, the Monday Night Raw audience, they're not really that familiar with him. Now, if he was, if it was Rex Steiner showing up on Monday Night Raw, he probably would have got a bigger reaction because they would have been curious to see, you know, how how is you know Rick's kid. But I don't think a lot of people know he's a Steiner. You should be able to tell that he is. So they're doing him a little bit of a disservice there. I think he should be on Raw every single week leading up to this show, and that way it kind of gives him that that ramp up towards after WrestleMania, where he is the NXT champion and he's on Raw and NXT going back and forth there a little bit. I actually disagree with that. I think they made the right decision by saving it on this show because it made people want to watch to see what Dolph Ziggler was going to say after winning the NXT championship last week. And I like the angle that they did with Braun Breaker going crazy, looking all over the performance center for Dolph Ziggler. It got over his kind of, uh, you know, Steiner-esque character. And I also disagree. I don't think that he would have got a massive more of a reaction if he was Rex Steiner it's all about how they present him and 
how they presented him on his first appearance on Raw, he got a reaction at, you know, as they saw him in the ring, he got more and more of reaction as the match went on. So they just need to do that. Slowly put him in there. I think they should have kind of done like a spotlight, like they do the, the SmackDown breakdown on Raw. They should have done like an NXT recap and really focus in on that, on Dolph Ziggler winning the title. Maybe they could have done that, but I, I agree with their decision to kind of save Dolph and Braun for today's show because it gave it a hook. We'll we'll see if that does pay off because this is the look from from the WWE business side of things. This is part of the reason why they're bringing in all of these WWE main roster superstars is to hopefully raise up the ratings of NXT. So we'll see if that if that held over. There were a lot of NXT or excuse me, uh, Raw superstars who showed up on this show. Some of them were announced. Some of them were not. We'll get into all that. And I agree with you in the fact that Dolph Ziggler, uh, this matchup last night was kind of to give him that one successful title defense. I kind of hate the fact that it came at the expense of LA Knight. And, you know, of course, none of it made sense for LA Knight to be even in that position because he comes out demanding an NXT title match. And I'm like, dude, you just lost two straight matches to Grayson Waller. So shouldn't Waller be the one who's out here demanding the, the, the matchup there? I'm not saying that LA Knight doesn't deserve that spot. He absolutely deserves that spot. And he not only deserved that spot, but he belonged in that spot. I mean, he was there and, you know, he was not out of place with the likes of Miz and Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. He fit. He was perfect. The crowd was going nuts for him. And I put this out on Twitter after the main event last night, which, by the way, you can follow me at Ricky Chino. Follow him at sp 3 I almost would have preferred LA Knight to win the match last night. I know that would have been like, oh my God, now they're playing hopscotch with the, the NXT championship. But I look at the possibility there of Braun Breaker kind of costing Dolph the title and putting it on LA Knight that way. You know, if you don't want to do the double duty with Braun Breaker going back and forth between Raw and NXT, you could just have Ziggler and, and, and Breaker in a match at stand and deliver or even on WrestleMania, just a one-on-one -on -one match between those two without the NXT title involved and then give kind of LA Knight the rub and then maybe set up LA Knight and Gunther because we did get that exchange uh, between him and Gunther backstage. I did like the fact that Gunther came out and called out the fact that LA Knight did not deserve this title shot and he basically called him, you know, talked his way into it. At least WWE was uh, aware enough of that and they kind of made it make sense which is all i ask for from wwe programming there is a part of me that would have preferred la knight to win that matchup if they're going to put him in that spot but i understand why they didn't yeah that would have been a bad decision period just yeah i i don't think that i would have any part of my brain that would think that's a good decision because that's hopscotching the title devalues the title it devalues Dolph Ziggler's win last week it devalues Braun Breaker going after the championship and the whole story that they told with him coming after the championship it's not about getting revenge on Dolph Dolph didn't do anything all Dolph did was win the title it's all about the title it, you, this feud is not personal so it doesn't make sense to take the title away from it I understand you know one to fast track uh brawn to the main roster but there are better ways to do that and a better way would be him winning the title back and being the nxc champion on the main roster because that does twofold it helps brawn get used to the main roster and it promotes nxt and puts them in a main stage yeah. on the main roster so that would be the worst decision possible i'm glad that dolph ziggler beat la knight
I'm hoping that LA Knight is main roster bound at some point. I like I don't know I don't know what else the guy has to show or prove. And and honestly, he's in a spot now where he's just putting dudes who are younger than him over. Like I I don't know what they're waiting for. I know he was brought in as an NXT guy, but you can't tell me that he's not valuable and can't be used on Raw or SmackDown to make those shows instantly better. Oh, yeah. He has a bunch of charisma. He's a great talker. But, you know, I just looking at this whole thing and, you know, Dolph Ziggler calling him kid when Dolph Ziggler is 41 <laughs> and LA Knight is 39, 39 years old. It's like. Yeah, it's about time that he's on the main roster. He is over. He oozes charisma. He needs to be on the main roster. You need to, you know, move on. I think that this loss right here would be a good way to kind of transition him up. They did around the time that they had Pete Dunn doing his main roster tryout. They had LA Knight too, and I like LA Knight bringing up the little um online exclusive um, yeah. promo segment that he had with Ziggler and Rude in his promo to, you know, get the, get the matchup for the championship. So they doing good things. They're setting it up nicely for a potential transition up to raw or SmackDown, but I just hope it's sooner rather than later. Yeah. Look, he's the way they teased it. My guess is we're probably going to get Gunther and LA Knight at Stand and Deliver, and then maybe that's his his swan, swan song, and then he shows up uh, either on Raw or SmackDown. I think he would be great on Friday Night SmackDown. You're talking about you know a brand that desperately needs singles stars, um, especially you know now that we we don't know how long Big E is is going to be out of action, even if 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 he ever comes back, you know to to wrestle at this point. Um, you know, it's, it's all about him getting healthy first and foremost, and then we'll go, you go from there. But I mean, this is a roster that needs a top level baby face star. And I'm not saying LA Knight would come in right away and be that guy, because again, there's that main roster crossover that still has to happen. But I mean, he went from being religiously hated when he was feuding with Cameron Grimes to like all like a month went by and the, and the freaking crowds were going nuts for him. So, I mean, he knows how to flip. He knows how to get the audience invested and captivate them. I don't think it would take very long for him to do the same on the main roster. So I'm hoping that WWE sees that value in him and doesn't go, eh, he's 39. Do we really want to invest? Shut up. You just had a 44-year-old no. as your WWE champion. No. Damian Priest got called up at 38. So no, that's that's yeah. not a real big factor for them. And I think that Gunther and LA Knight is going to happen on TV because Stand and Deliver, they have four announced matches already. You're also going to get the Dusty Cup winner versus the Toxic Attraction for the tag yeah. team titles. No, now they have five matches because they also announced Braun and, and Dolph. So that's six, seven matches already for Stand and Deliver. It's too much for to add on Gunther and LA Knight. I think Gunther is going to get the victory probably on the go home show. Fair enough. Whatever, uh, whatever keeps that show shrunk down just enough so that I can, you know, have enough time to go get dinner and then make my way over AT&T stadium for uh night one of WrestleMania going to have a lot of uh, good stuff coming out in the month of April, by the way, from WrestleMania weekend, uh, I will be down there boots on the ground. Uh, for both Believe in Pro Wrestling and uh, SB Nation. Uh, so make sure to like, share, subscribe, uh, send out the link of this, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Got a lot of good interviews that are coming up. Speaking of which, we got an interview coming up uh, this Friday, SB3. Oh, yes, with, uh, t with Levi Cooper, formerly known as Tucker Knight. We talked about Tucker. a lot of great stuff.
Yeah, we, we talked about everything from his exits of the company, how he's doing now, how he looks uh, at things uh, differently, uh, how he believes Otis is doing now, what his what he believes Otis is ceiling to be. It's a, a really nice uh, in-depth conversation. He's also got a major project that's uh, coming up here on a network you might be familiar with as well. Uh, so we will dive all of that, dive into all of that with Levi Cooper this Friday. That'll drop at 7 a.m. All right, let's dive into this SP3. It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. So Raw 2.0 was last night. Excuse me, NXT 2.0 was last night. We end up with an opening Miz TV segment that included Miz, Robert Roode, Dolph Ziggler, three Raw superstars. Uh, We also had the Mysterios show up. Uh, so that's two more uh, Raw superstars, and I feel like I'm forgetting somebody else that that popped up in there. But uh, there were a lot of segments involving main roster stars and NXT stars, and I, I get everything about it. And matter of fact, I'm extremely excited about one of the images we got on the screen in particular. But having five Raw superstars on one episode of NXT, is that a little too much, SP3? No. It's not. It, it all of them work for me. I mean, Miz was a little bit kind of yeah. That was the one that was kind of glaring because Miz should never be on NXT, and I hated the CWC crowd for cheering Miz and giving us a Miz chance to start the show. Um, but Dolph and Robert Roode kind of seem at home on NXT. They yeah. seem more comfortable there than on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, Rey Mysterio confronting Santos Escobar got me excited, and that's a match I would love to see. I wish that was happening at Stand and Deliver. And Dominic Mysterio looked more comfortable in an NXT ring than he ever has in a main roster ring. So I feel I felt like this was a reverse tryout for Dominic for him to probably stay in NXT after WrestleMania. I think that's the best thing for his career. Yeah, I saw somebody tweeted out. I, I wish I could give him credit because I don't remember who it was. Somebody tweeted out that Dominic Mysterio's career is going in reverse. Uh, he starts off at SummerSlam against Seth Rollins in this, you know, big big matchup and then it's like oh now he's in a love angle or no well his sister was in a love angle and then he was the jealous brother and now all of a sudden he's you know now he's back in <laughs> back in nxt but honestly that might be the best thing for him and the fact that we're not going to get santos escobar and Rey mysterio at stand and deliver because santos did qualify for the north american title ladder match and Rey mysterio has a tag team match with the miz it's like my only thing is like there really wasn't a point for the Mysterios to be on NXT because you would think that they would go to NXT because the Miz would be there. They just were there. They just showed up. They didn't even explain why they were there. I didn't care in the moment because I saw Santos Escobar and Rey Mysterio standing in front of me on my TV screen. I've had the opportunity to talk to Santos twice, and this is something that we've talked about both times. This is something that he desperately wants. This is like on his journey to becoming the greatest luchador of all time. He wants this matchup. And the fact that we're not going to get it at stand and deliver means that this is something that is going to go on for a while, for for several weeks past WrestleMania. And honestly, I I think it should. Um, And I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's almost, you you can't do much more than this. You you can't do five, five superstars from the main roster on one episode. I think that's, that's the line. Don't don't go any more than that. This was okay. It was it was a couple of segments there. 
lot of shenanigans on the show tonight. A lot of outside interference. We had Dominic wrestling a match. He won. He got cheered. Good for him. I think that was the biggest pop that Dominic Mysterio has gotten in his entire career at this point. He also showed that he's also a virgin like Brooks Jensen because he was distracted by Electra Lopez because we all know that virgins are sprung by Electra Lopez. Here's the thing, right? Who wouldn't be distracted by Electra Lopez? Number one. And number two, not me or you, we have wives, so uh, we wouldn't be distracted by it. Only virgins like Dominic and Brooks Jensen. (laughs) No, we wouldn't have been distracted by Electra, but we would have gotten dumb babyface syndrome and gotten distracted by like Robert Roode on the outside, standing up on the apron to where we would have turned around and went, what? And swung our big freaking club at Robert Roode and missed and hung our arm up on the rope and then turned around and ate a super kick because we're dumb as hell. Uh, That's where we would have gotten distracted uh but yeah so i think this is this is perfect i love the integration that they're 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 doing here give me santos escobar on raw confronting Rey mysterio that could be a main event of raw i I, if they build this up correctly i don't think it's it's that far-fetched to say or maybe you even do the match at wrestlemania backlash that would be a great way to showcase Santos Escobar, who's another guy who should be on the main roster sooner rather than later. I don't believe he's going to win uh, the North American title ladder match at Stand and Deliver, but I could be wrong. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up here in a little bit. Uh, we also got a um, a promo that we've we've kind of seen a lot uh, recently in NXT, especially with the the old guard, the changing of the guard to the the younger generation. And, and the older Raw superstars who are coming back down to help out the, the, <laughs> the younger generation. But we're talking about the, the NXT mainstays. And it felt, last night, the words from Tommaso Ciampa felt very Johnny Gargano-esque. It was a very, very similar, uh, passionate, deep promo from him. He didn't get jumped. Kind of did. He didn't get jumped at the end of it, but we get Tony D showing up in the ring there. And he's like, look. I want to be the new Don of NXT. I got to take down the big dog before you decide to walk away. So they set up this match at, at stand and deliver between uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Tony D. Are you buying or selling Tony D as Tommaso Ciampa's final opponent in NXT 2.0? I am buying it because I called this like a month ago, literally when, when Ziggler versus Ciampa and the cameraman attacked him, I thought it was Tony D then. I've been begging Tony D when he's been cutting these promos about becoming the new Don of NXT. I was like, you got to take out Ciampa. I've said this for a month now. I've said it here. I've said it on the Wrestle Talk podcast. I said it on True Hill Heat. And it finally came to fruition. So I'm happy that I was right as per usual. And Tony D, I think this would this is a huge opportunity for him. Um, I Part of me thinks that he should win. And then Champa should get called up to the main roster. But if I have to continue listening to Champa's new theme song, no, I don't want that. Um, so <laughs> I re- I think that, you know, this would be a good thing for either Champa to kind of get the win and then get called up or get the win and continue on in NXT. But this did feel like kind of a, you know, 
not that the end is, you know, right now, but the end is near for Tommaso Ciampa in NXT. This, he, a very passionate promo, probably one of the highlights of the night for me personally, because I know all this history that he brought up with the glorious bomb, with DIY, with the black heart, that moment at TakeOver New Orleans. I was in the building at the Barclays Center when it should have been Gargano versus Ciampa at uh, TakeOver New York, and I wanted that so bad. And that was the whole reason I wanted to go to that event, but didn't get to get it. So it made me once again bitter about that three years later. So I, I I really felt every word he was saying. So this was a great promo and great um challenge by Tony D with the low blow and then yeah. um him being the mob boss, giving him the kiss of death before he takes his spot. Great stuff right there and a great setup for their match at Stand and Deliver. Yeah, I'm I'm buying all of this. Um, I guess my only question is, because I don't know what Champa's contract situation is like, and, and maybe he really doesn't know what is next. Whether he's getting called up, whether he thinks something else uh, might might be on the horizon, or if his contract is coming up. But he came off as a guy who didn't know if he was going to be not in NXT, but in WWE in the next few weeks. I, that's just what. Tommaso Ciampa is also one of the best promo guys in NXT. So he can sell me a bag of shit. Like he can, he can just do it. Like I'll buy it hook, line and sinker every damn time. But to me, that sounded like a guy who did not know if he was going to be not in just NXT, but in WWE in the, in the coming weeks, my gut tells me he's going to the main roster because they just gave him the new theme music and they've been slowly integrating him in. Uh, unless they just haven't been, you know, uh, impressed with his performance, which I, I don't know how you couldn't be, but we've we've seen them screw, we've seen them screw things up before, Butch. Uh, we've seen them screw a lot of things up before, Butch, Carry and Cross, Keith Lee. Uh, so it would not it would not surprise me. Yeah, I could keep going. I I could spend the next ten minutes just rattling him off, but I mean. I, I'm interested to see what's next. I'm again, much like LA Knight and Santos Escobar. I just think the main roster needs these guys. I, they they need these guys, and I would like to see them called up. And then, yeah, let the let the new generation of NXT 2.0, the younger guys, let them kind of fully integrate uh, and take over. Um, NXT 2.0 may have at least one standing tradition. Uh, SP3 from the uh, from the Golden Black days. Um, and the fact that you can literally do anything to anybody, you can commit any crime whatsoever without any repercussions at all, at all. You want to kidnap somebody? Cool. You want to commit assault? Fine. You want to commit credit card fraud? No problem. You want to set up some, uh, uh, um, what's his name? McAllister. Kevin McAllister type level booby traps and, and, and literally... <laughs> kidnap people cool you're good to go hoss no problem whatsoever the other thing that happens a lot on nxt 2.0 though um it just appears that everybody wants to bang everybody on this show so i'm gonna ask this question here number three as we continue the five count what is the more ridiculous part of nxt 2.0 the rampant crime rate or everybody trying to get their freak on um can i choose both <laughs> um, I mean, like, oh, God, 
Tempest said it best when I did the Russell Talk podcast with him in reviewing NXT. NXT 2.0 is a bad show with some good qualities. We we mentioned some of the good qualities like Champa, LA Knight, Carmelo Hayes is always a highlight. Loved him and Trick Williams doing the two sweet during the entrance, and he was great on commentary. Santos Escobar is a highlight as well. But then there's all of this. Everyone's horny. We had to see a full-on, full-on makeout section with two different couples in the matchup with, you know, Indy and Dex and Duke Hudson and Persia Parada. I was like, this was a waste of time. They gave us, they gave them a two-minute matchup, and then we got more time of them making out than we had of them actually wrestling. But Cora Jade as Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone six or 70 i don't know what number it was but it was just like this is ridiculous this is outrageous like she what type of baby face is she first of all because she stole the title belts this is how the whole thing started then she started doing the booby traps then this genius says oh i'm gonna spray paint mandy rose's white range rover with white Spray paint. I think some production people did it wrong on that one. Then, then she she says, "No, you know what? I'm going to steal her car," and and didn't she wasn't she wasn't at least like, uh, you know, thrown off by the fact that the car was open. It was just open. (laughs) It was, and the keys were inside. She didn't ask any questions about that. And then she pulls a Kevin McAllister in Home Alone two and slips on the ice at the end of the movie. And then Gigi and JC show up like they're Marvin Harry. That oh my god, that was just oh, I don't I don't understand. Like yeah, for for this episode, the rampant crime rate and the Home Alone antics of Cora Jade and Toxic Attraction was the most ridiculous and the part of the show that I wish I could erase from my brain. I didn't hate it nearly as much as you did. Um, and that's because I, I actually, I like Cora Jade. I do. I, I, I like her a lot. And I, to, to me, I see a lot of potential in her. I'm not saying she's a polished product, but she's very comfortable in front of a camera and she has personality and she can show it off. And she has a little bit of some, some, some acting chops there. There are so many bad actors and actresses in, in professional wrestling. Give me somebody who's as comfortable as she is at age 21 in front of a camera. And yeah, I'll, I'll give her some time to, to, to blossom and groom and, and, and grow uh, as she progresses in NXT. There's something about her that I just like, I, I can't pinpoint it. I just do. We, um, we so, definitely I, don't agree on her being a good actress. I felt like when she was Elena Black, she showed 10 times the amount of charisma than she's shown as Avril Lavigne 2.0. I think that's like the fourth 2.0 reference that uh, that we've made uh, on the show tonight. And I can't believe I forgot to say uh, the live sex celebration 2.0 that we got uh, in the uh, NXT locker room. I actually don't find the uh, the horniness to be that egregious, to be completely honest with you, because am I supposed to believe that a, a, a locker room that does not move full of hot, young, world-class athletes aren't all trying to bang each other anyway? Like, that's just bringing real life onto this TV screen. Like, I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty, I, I'm willing to bet it's like the Olympic Village down there. Like, to me, this isn't, and, and honestly, 
I, I, I work in an office environment. All right. You want to talk about sex being on everybody's mind coming in the, in, in the morning after a night, the bachelor's on that's all that people are talking about. I'm just convinced that anybody between the age of 16 and 45 is horny all the time anyway. So that really honestly doesn't bother me a whole lot. It's the crime rate. It is the absolute crime rate. That is the most ridiculous thing. It has grown into its own meme at this point. Just that you, you never want to be in the parking lot. It's a, it's its own reoccurring joke. And yeah, Cora Jade, that should have been the key. The fact that Mandy Rose would leave her car unlocked in that parking lot. Come on. I did like the NWO callback. I have no idea what the hell Mandy was trying to spray paint. And it should have been black spray paint. But an attempt was made. All right. An attempt was made. I loved all the, the Scott Hall NWO uh, references that we got on the show tonight. <laughs> I'm just uh, saying. An, an attempt was made. Like, like, that's like shooting the ball from the other side of the court and saying, oh, well, an attempt was made. When you, had 20, when you had 20, when you had 24 seconds on the shot clock and it's only the first quarter, an attempt was made, though. He, <laughs> he attempted Curry? a shot. Yeah. Am I Steph Curry in this situation? Because then it doesn't even, matter. Even, even Steph Curry wouldn't do something stupid like that. Depends on who pissed him off that day. So let's put Let's turn the page here. NXT 2.0 in the books. We got St. Patrick's Day slam coming up tonight. Uh, many believe that it'll be the the crowning moment that Thunder Rosa fans have been waiting for as she challenges Dr. Britt Baker in a cage match for the AEW Women's Championship. Also have Wardlow, uh, who is challenging the new TNT champion, Scorpio Sky. Haven't had a chance to talk to you about that one yet, so I'll get your opinion on that coming up here soon. Um, two big title matches tonight. Really big card tonight. How many new champions do we get? on AEW Dynamite tonight, SP3. Will they really give Scorpio Sky the TNT championship and then have him immediately drop it to Wardlow on Wednesday? I think that is the biggest question heading into tonight's show. Um, I hope not, because Scorpio Sky deserves to be the TNT champion, and he deserves to be the TNT champion when they go into a now where we are going to see a sold-out form in los angeles he is a lifelong laker fan similar to me the form is where the lakers played in the 80s when we created our dynasty check out winning time on hbo max because it talks all about that but i want to see scorpio sky in purple and gold with the tnt championship i would love for him to debut a new tnt championship since everybody has their own design he comes out with the purple and gold tnt championship i would be in, in the form he needs to at least make it to june with this championship warlow has a story already in place and a way for to get out of this with you know in a way that protects him because he deserves to be protected especially after he knocked it out of the park with that promo last week and great interview that you did with them and i've I, I got a couple of news articles from that. Thanks, Russell Talk. So, so you, you did you did a great job there. So, uh, Warlow has the whole story because he did turn on MJF, but we still haven't seen him 
get his hands on MJF or get his hands on Sean Spears. We don't know how Sean Spears is going to react to him turning on MJF. And I think this would be a great opportunity to use Sean Spears as kind of a way to prolong the eventual Warlow and MJF confrontation, have Sean Spears cost Warlow that matchup. So I say tonight at St. Patrick's Day Slam, Thunder Rosa will be the one and only new champion crowned in the main event inside of a steel cage. Blood pouring down her face, blood pouring down Britt Baker's face in front of her hometown of San Antonio, Texas. The one woman renaissance of Thunder Rosa is finally crowned to become the first ever Mexican born female to win a major world championship in a U.S. wrestling promotion. History needs to be made and you don't want to take too much of the spotlight. And I think if you do more than one title change, it takes a little bit of that spotlight away from her. So she needs to be the only new champion on this show. And she has to win tonight. She has to. Because that's that's the only thing that makes the booking from Revolution not suck. Because a lot of people Pretty thought much. that was going to be her moment. And I think Tony Khan is smart enough to go, okay, that would be cool. But you know what would be even better is the fact that we're going to be in San Antonio, Texas two weeks later. It's going to be the one-year anniversary of the Lights Out match between Thunder Rosa and Dr. Britt Baker. It just made too much damn sense to hold off, have her get screwed at Revolution, and then win it tonight. But she's got to win it. She has to. No bullshit tonight. It made a lot of sense in like retrospect because was Thunder Rosa beating Brick Baker going to be remembered more than CM Punk and MJF? No. Probably not. Was it going to be remembered more than CM Punk's entrance? Probably not. No. Was it going to be remembered more than Wardlow turning on MJF? Probably not. So, and that was just all in one match. <laughs> exactly. So that one match would have took you know more of the attention away from her title win. This night, like I said, she needs to be the only new champion, and the spotlight centered on Thunder Rosa's big win. I do agree that Wardlow is losing tonight, or he's getting disqualified. I, I, I. <sighs> Something that AEW does really, really well is set up big matches. And Scorpio Sky, who has been undefeated for a year at this point, he's been undefeated for a year. Wardlow, in his entire time with the company, has lost four singles matches, including one to CM Punk, including one to Hangman Adam Page, including to Cody Rhodes. And okay, he lost to Jake Hager. But and I mean, three out of the four were really, really. Uh, you know, big marquee stars. There's no shame in those. And MJF cost him that match against CM Punk. He beat the holy hell out of CM Punk and had him defeated multiple times. So they have done a really, really great job of not only protecting Wardlow, but building him up. And Tony Khan knows that he has a shiny, brand new, over as F baby face that he can do whatever he wants with. And the next step, Unfortunately for Wardlow, he he may tell me it doesn't matter if King Kong has that championship. He's he's running through people and he's winning that belt tonight. No, he's not because MJF's going to get involved. Sean Spears is going to get involved. I wouldn't be surprised if MJF calls in a favor and gets FTR involved. And they all just jump the big guy and cost him this damn match at the end of it. 
whether it's disqualification or they give the rub to Scorpio Sky. I think I'd prefer Scorpio to win it, even with some shenanigans, because his first title defense, I think he should get a three count, especially, as you say, in his hometown of L.A. Uh, or excuse me, um, you know what I'm talking about. But, you know, I, I think um, they're going to be in Los Angeles later. Sorry, I got confused there for a second. But San Antonio tonight. Um, yeah, I think that's just the the way you got to go tonight. and. Look, they know they got a big star in Wardlow. They don't have to rush anything with him. The obvious next story is him just destroying MJF because we still haven't we haven't heard from MJF since Revolution. He didn't show up on Dynamite. They let Wardlow talk. And by the way, Wardlow can talk. That was like the the, the last box that needed to be checked. Is like, okay, this guy's got everything. Can he talk? Yep. All right. You got a future world champion there. You got a future multi-time world champion there. And he might be the guy to take the belt off of MJF when he eventually wins it from Hangman Adam Page. We'll see. Still got other guys. CM Punk, Brian Danielson. There's a lot of options in AEW. Indeed. It's a good problem to have. But I think I don't think tonight is going to be Wardlow's night. I think it's going to start a feud, a blood feud that is going to carry much of the spring and maybe even most of the summer. Uh, to be completely honest with you. And either way, Tony Khan is going to make some damn money off of it. Uh, today, by the way, it's March 16th. It is Austin 316 day. And just to have a little bit of fun here to, to close out the show. I uh, hope you all have your, 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 your IPAs or your American loggers, your stone cold beers ready to go for St. Patrick's Day. In honor of it being 316 day and in honor of Stone Cold Steve Austin making his triumphant return to WrestleMania 38 in Dallas, Texas in a little over two weeks from now, believe it or not. SP3, the final question of the five count tonight. What is your favorite Stone Cold Steve Austin WrestleMania match? My favorite is also, in my opinion, the best Stone Cold Steve Austin WrestleMania match is also, in my opinion, the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. And I would put it up there as a top two, top three greatest professional wrestling match of all time. And I'm talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret the Hitman Hart, WrestleMania 13, the submission match. And really, in my opinion, this is the match that kind of set the tone and set up was a catalyst for the entire Attitude Era. It's the most famous and most important double turn in history where Bret the Hitman Hart, the beloved babyface, became a hated heel because the hatred that he had for Stone Cold Steve Austin that screwed him out the WWF title that was a thorn in his side for months led to him, you know, continuing to hit the assault after he busted open Stone Cold with a ring bell and locked him in the sharpshooter. And Austin showed his determination and just his heart by not giving up and passing out in the move and became a babyface at the same time. It led to Austin becoming the biggest star in WWE history. It led to Bret Hart's arguably the greatest run of his career with his anti-American uh, pro-Canada character with the whole Hart Foundation that followed up from it. So that match, I always say, I say Okada and Kenny Omega, uh, their fourth encounter at Dominion 2018 and Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret Hart WrestleMania 13. Those are my two favorite matches of all time. So 
Austin and Brett is my favorite Austin Mania match. For me, and this is why I phrase this question, because I agree with you, it's not the best, but it is my favorite because it is the culmination of what I believe to be the greatest rivalry in WWE history, which is the Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, which is why I am going with WrestleMania 19 in 2003. The buildup to this match, because you'll remember that was because right after WrestleMania 2002, that's when Austin kind of walked out on the company. So he walks out. All of a sudden, you got Hollywood Rock because he made the Scorpion King and all that stuff. So he creates his Hollywood persona and did it better than the Miz could ever hope to be. Uh, and he was absolutely hated. And they just needed that. They, they needed somebody of the caliber of the Rock to come back and challenge him at WrestleMania. Austin makes his triumphant return, says, I was tired of watching your ass on the couch, so I came up here to whoop your ass one more time at WrestleMania. You had the build where they're talking about The Rock has never beaten Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania. I mean, this is this is the previous generation's version of Brock and Roman. It was Rock and Austin. That's what happened. For, we, nobody gave a shit that they did this match three times in five years at WrestleMania. Nobody cared. And the match itself, peak JR on commentary. He was fantastic. And these two dudes are throwing haymakers, haymakers at each other. They're throwing each other's moves at each other. Stone Cold Steve Austin is dead on his feet, but he is not giving up. And The Rock had to give him three rock bottoms to finally put him down in the middle of the ring. And then we got that moment at the end of it where The Rock is shoving the referee away. So in character, it could look like he's trash talking him. But he's really sitting there knowing that this moment is up. And by the way, that was also Stone Cold Steve Austin's final WrestleMania match where he put The Rock over. All of that, the story, the build, was Brett and Austin the better match? Yes. But I'm a sucker for a damn good story. I'm a sucker for a damn good build. And that's why I'm going to choose 2003 Rock Austin at WrestleMania 19. I love that match, but it's not, in my opinion, the best Austin Rock Mania match. The best one is WrestleMania 17, but Austin, you really can't go wrong with any of those three matches, in my opinion, yeah. because I feel like Austin Rock WrestleMania 17 and Austin and Bright WrestleMania 13 are in my top five WrestleMania matches of all time. So. And, you know, the match at 19, the culmination of everything. And it all started with Austin, with Rock challenging Austin because he's never beat him at WrestleMania. And the reason why it was always fresh is because they always knew how to make it different. In WrestleMania 15, it was the upstart Rock who became the WWF champion, the youngest WWF champion, going against the top star in the industry, Stone Cold Steve Austin. WrestleMania 17, it was two the two top biggest stars in the business, the two top baby faces going against each other at the biggest show ever, WrestleMania 17. And then WrestleMania 19 was Rock trying to overcome the one person he's never been able to beat at WrestleMania after defeating Hulk Hogan the previous year. So, yeah, they made it different even every time, whereas Rock and Ro Roman and Brock, it's been the same every single time. They're just trying to put a tagline at it when it would be a more effective story if they told the story of Rock and Austin of Roman never beating Brock at WrestleMania. Yeah, it would be very easy. They could throw that little wrinkle in there, but you know they can barely look back two weeks. I mean, you're talking about, again, I will always go back. You're talking to the same company 
that had Matt Riddle literally have a, a storyline straight out of Mr. Deeds where he got frostbite on his feet and he can't feel anything. And that's why, you know, he, he doesn't wear shoes down to the ring because it doesn't matter. And then literally three months later, he's losing matches because somebody stomped on his foot and it hurt. Okay. Like this is the same company we're dealing with now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I can't expect them to kind of make that same little correlation that they could even remember that they've done Roman and Brock so many times. And honestly, they might not be done. And I do believe, by the way, that that 2003 match has got to be, I don't know this for sure, and I'm, I don't want to put words in the guy's mouth, but I have to believe that's part of the motivation of why Austin doesn't want to do a match at WrestleMania 38. Because that is that was the perfect way for Stone Cold to go out at WrestleMania. He is a um, an old school guy. He went out on his back, and there is no way that they would have him do a match with Kevin Owens. What nineteen years later, and have him lose to Kevin Owens? Like no, there he's going to come in there. He's going to beat Kevin Owens, and I don't know if he wants to beat Kevin Owens. Whooping Kevin Owens' ass? Okay, that's fine, but don't put it down in the record books. I think that might be the hangup. That's the only thing that I can think of that that makes total sense because again and i've said this ad nauseum it's gonna be the same thing no matter what it's gonna be an ass whooping there's gonna be a stunner the only difference between an ass whooping and a match is there's gonna be a bell ringing and a ref counting three and then another bell other than that it's the same damn thing that we're gonna get the only difference is they can't advertise that stone cold is going to be in a match and that's where they lose out on that they're working harder not smarter by promoting it as anything other than a match. So, I mean, more power to Austin in trying to respect that match at WrestleMania 19. It just is very stupid to have top stars fighting over a talk show spot at WrestleMania and everything that's been involved with this buildup so far. Didn't get a chance to talk with you about that because we had Trey filling in earlier this week. The match was good. And people got into it later, but we are all expecting Cody to come out at the end. Or at least that, that was the anticipation. Nothing that the WWE did. We just all figured that would make sense. Cody would show up in Jacksonville and then he doesn't show up. And then, yeah, you're right, man. They're fighting two of the top stars of Monday night raw who should have had their spots at WrestleMania solidified weeks ago before Pat McAfee, before Johnny Knoxville, before Logan Paul. You should have made sure that you had a program in place for Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens before any of those dudes. No disrespect to any of those dudes. I don't have a problem with any of them being on the card. I all I, I can see the value that they bring. But instead, you have Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins fighting to be the one to get their ass kicked by Stone Cold Steve Austin in front of 70, 80,000 fans, however many they pack in the building on night one or two, whichever night it's going to be. And not only that, you got Seth Rollins going, WrestleMania needs Seth Rollins. Yeah, in a damn match. We don't need you hosting a talk show. We don't need you resurrecting a program that you once had that nobody remembers that you had. They they could have simply made this an unsanctioned brawl. No bell ringing, no nothing, but call it that instead of a talk show. Yeah, that would have been easy. They've done it before. They did it with Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels wasn't medically cleared to fight Triple H. He came out there with jeans on. I remember I remember it vividly. 
Stone Cold's gonna come out there with jeans on. All right. It's damn it, man. It's company sometimes. Do you think I didn't get a chance to ask you? At this point, you think we have reached the point of no return with Cody Rhodes showing up before WrestleMania if he does show up? I mean, next Monday's in Chicago. That's also a good spot for him to debut, but I think they have passed the point of return of it being like the peak interest. I think the peak interest was this Monday, especially in Jacksonville. You heard the crowd chanting for Cody, so that was like the peak of interest. So I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to try to guess what's going on and all of this is, I mean, it's led to a very entertaining segment on True Hill Heat where we call it As the Codyverse Turns, where we play music and I talk about the Cody reports in ASMR voice. So it works for me. Um, if My best guess, and that's all I can do in this situation because it's like trying to understand quantum physics with these people. My best guess is that Seth Rollins will show up at WrestleMania. He will issue an open challenge. And either Cody Rhodes is going to answer the call or Omos is going to come down and squash him in three minutes. <laughs> That's the only guy left. They're the literally, only guy. they're literally to the point that they're going to have to do the John Cena Undertaker storyline with Seth Rollins now. So That's exactly what Trey said. But it's you awful. You and now that, that was I just want to get make this clear. That was awful. That was awful, and I called it being awful from the very beginning because I said the Undertaker shouldn't be coming out of retirement a year after they gave him a great retirement ceremony at WrestleMania 33. I don't care about the match not being good. The ceremony itself was perfect, and then he ruined it the following year. So, I mean, all more power to you, you know, whether it's negotiation problems or Cody trying to leverage them to get the most money possible. I don't know what's going on. I don't care at this point. Hell, it could have just been the fact that Cody was like, nah, I don't want to over overshadow the Scott Hall news. Like that it, it could have been something like that, to be completely honest with you. And I I would understand that at this point, yeah, it's past the point of peak interest. If he's coming back, he's coming back at Mania. I think that's the best way to make the the biggest splash. Um, whether it's night one or night two. But man, it it's you should never be in a situation like this with Seth Rollins where we're two weeks out and we have no idea what he's doing at WrestleMania. Basically, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens are the four friends at American Pie. And instead of trying to get to the prom, they're trying to get to WrestleMania and they don't care if they have to go out with a band geek to get there. Hey, as we saw in that movie, though, sometimes it's good to go out with a band geek. I'm just saying. I'm just saying we appreciate you guys listening to all 53 minutes of this half hour podcast. Glad to have my man SP three back floral background and all looks so pretty back there. Just, uh, you got your Bret Hart DVD behind you. It's all good. It's all good in the hood. <laughs> appreciate you being back. We will be back tomorrow. 7 a.m. Breaking down Thunder Rosa's big win. SP three is going to be grinning ear to ear. He's going to be screaming. He's going to be cracking open some stone cold IPAs and starting off St. Patrick's day. Right. Don't forget. We got our conversation with Levi Cooper coming out Friday at 7. AM. You can check out my conversation with Wardlow right this second. As soon as I wrap up, as soon as I say those magical words, go over there, check it out. It's 20 minutes. Really, really good stuff. 
honestly, it's almost like a love letter to Jeff Hardy, to be completely honest with you, and Batista. It's awesome stuff. Check it out. You've been listening to the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast and watching the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast here on the YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe. Brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.